enter into the presence of God than being outside in his creation, uh, getting away from distractions and various things, and I so enjoy that. So I want you to just go with me here for a second. Imagine you're outside, and you're walking in the woods, maybe you're taking a hike, and, and you're walking in the woods, and, and your foot kind of falls into a little hole. I don't know if you had that happen. I actually had it happen this week, walking along, and where there was a, a root or something, your foot kind of falls in. And, and so you go back, and you look to see the hole, and you realize that you're actually pretty fortunate because what you thought was a little tiny hole was indeed actually a big hole. And so you start moving the branches that are covering up and the leaves that, are, that have fallen, and you discover that's actually quite a big hole. Now, you probably wouldn't do this, but I'll confess I, w- I would. My curiosity would get the best of me, and I want to see how big it is. So you climb down into this hole, and then you realize it's not just a hole. It's the entrance to a cavern. Now, I know you all wouldn't do this, but my curiosity would get the best of me, and I'd get my phone out, and I'd be looking, and seeing as big as it is, I would actually go in and look. So imagine you're in there, and you're looking around, and as you're shining your light around there, and you're seeing how big this is, you realize that something kind of glimmers. And so you look down in there, and you move some dirt away, and, and it, it looks a whole lot like gold. And you're like, there can't be anyway. When we're in the middle of Virginia, there's, there's some gold here, but there's not that much. There's no way this is gold. It's got to be fool's gold. But your curiosity gets the best of you. And uh, even though there's a bunch of it around, you take a little piece, and you, you take it with you. And then you do like most people today do. They do a Google search. So they Google it up. Hey, what does gold look like in its natural forms? And you look at it, and you look at this, and man, it looks pretty similar, but you're still, and you're looking at fool's gold, and now you're confused. You, you really don't have a clue. And so, again, your curiosity gets you, and so you decide, hey, I'm going to take this thing to a jeweler, and I'm going to find out for sure. Well, guess what? You find out that it is indeed gold. And now you know where the rest of it is and that there's all sorts of gold there. The problem is it's not your land. So you're thankful for Mr. Google, and you go back in and you do a search, and you find out who owns the property, and they live out into a, in another state, but you find their information, and you call them. And you say, hey, I'm just curious. I, I saw that you own this land, and I, I'm just curious. Would you ever be interested in selling it? And they said, well, you know what? It's funny you ask. We're actually getting ready to list it in two weeks. We're going to ask $300,000 for that property. I don't know about you, but I don't have $300,000 laying around. Matter of fact, if I sold everything I had, I might be able to scrounge something like that up. And so here's my question to you. Knowing that that land is worth millions, not $300,000, what would you do? I want you to hold on to that thought as we continue with our sermon. But I think you would agree with me. The decisions we make in life will impact us for the rest of our lives. No matter what you decide to do with that parcel of property, whether you do everything you can to be able to purchase it or you don't, it's going to change your life. Because you know that it's got gold on it. If you don't purchase it and somebody else does and they find it forever for the rest of your life, you'll know that I could have had that and it will forever change your life. You see, the things that we cherish in life, you can see the title of my sermon is to cherish or to abandon. The things we cherish in life have a huge impact on how we live our life. As we go through our sermon today, we're gonna, we've got a lot of things to cover through. Once again, I apologize on how quickly we will move. But I want you to ask yourself this question. What is it in life that you cherish? We're going to look at four men very quickly. Uh, four men that wanted to follow Jesus, and we're going to look at how what they cherished 
impacted their decisions to follow him. And so if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 9 as Jesus is talking about these, these three men. We'll look at a fourth in another passage. But these men are coming to Jesus. And in verse 57, we have the first men. And we know back in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19 that this guy was actually a scribe because uh, it's telling the, the same story. It says this, as they're going along the road, someone came up to him. He said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So this man, being a scribe, had a, a very comfortable life. Probably had a reasonable house that he was living in. And when he realized that Jesus was saying, in order to follow me, you need to realize that you're going to become homeless. This man cherished his home and his lifestyle far more than he cherished Jesus, and he chose not to follow him. The second man was actually called by Jesus to follow him. And what an honor would that be if Jesus pursued us and asked us to follow him. So verse 59, uh, to another, Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. So here we have another guy. And most scholars would agree that his father hadn't died yet. His father wasn't even dying. He was probably elderly. And what he was saying is that what most of the rest of us say today, hey, I'll follow you later, but not right now. And what we saw last week as we looked at the gospel, what the gospel exposes, the gospel exposes our real condition that we are dead, utterly hopeless. And so Jesus is saying, let the dead bury their dead. Let those who are hopeless bury those who are hopeless. You go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there came another. As we drop down to Mark 10 and, 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 and verse 21. Well, I think I'm skipping one. Look at uh, verse 61 and 62 of, of, of Mark, or Luke chapter 9. He says, yet another said, I'll follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, no one who pushes a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We had a man that cherished his possessions, a man that cherished the traditions of the day and, and, and taking care of the elderly and burying, their, burying their, their, their parents when they died. And here we have another one who cherished the relationships far more than they cherished Jesus. And they all chose not to follow. We come into Mark chapter 10. There's another man who is very wealthy, and he's coming, genuinely coming and saying, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? He's been talking to him and, and asking, you know, about saying, I've, I've kept the law, and Jesus looking at him. And, and here's what the Word of God said. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And this is what he said. You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Once again, this man cherished his possessions and his wealth far more than following Jesus, and he chose not to follow. You see, what we cherish in life greatly influences decisions that we make. What we cherish in life impacts what we think about the gospel. Let me continue to expose the gospel that we have sold in American Christianity. As we saw you know, last week, we so shifted in the, in the early 70s until now from the wrath of God to the love of God that, that we have really devalued the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard this? Maybe it's even come from my mouth. Maybe it's come from yours. 
salvation is free. Receive the free gift of salvation. You ever heard that? You know, I suggest this. That is part of the Americanized gospel that we have sold that has destroyed the church and so devalued the gospel that nobody's willing to give anything up. It's free. But may we take a few moments to look at what Jesus says about this. See, Jesus doesn't ask us to share his gospel. Jesus calls us to this. He calls us to total abandonment. See, the gospel today, because of we have promoted a love of God and we've promoted that it's free, is not something that's got enough value that we're willing to abandon anything for. If you look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, as we go through these verses, these are the words of Jesus. The crowds were following him, and they were coming around to him. And, he, and, and as the crowds were following him, imagine Jesus stopping, and he turned around to him and said, If anyone comes to me and does not first hate his own father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In verse 27, he says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Hey, let's try that for an evangelistic strategy. Want to? Hey, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to bear a cross. you got to bear this symbol of execution. How many people think we're baptized this year if we try that, without the opening line? Hey, you want to be executed? Jesus says down in verse 33, so therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, you cannot be sound like the free gift of salvation that we've proclaimed in American Christianity? Not according to the words of Jesus. See, the gospel is of incredible value. The gospel cost Jesus, as we well know, so much. But as we looked at last week, if all we think about is the love of God, then the cross is just an extension of God's love. It's just a God allowed the, the soldiers to murder Jesus just because he loved us. It devalues the gospel so much that it is so free that we're not willing to give anything up for it. But Jesus calls us to total abandonment. He calls us to renounce everything that we have because the gospel is incredibly valuable. See, if we forget that the entire gospel includes the wrath of God as well as the love of God, if we forget this part, then we devalue the gospel. If we overemphasize this part, then we then we don't we have such a fear of God that we don't even come to Him. But when we combine those two together, as Jesus did, and we understand them, it transforms us from the inside out. A lot of what we just looked at these verses may seem crazy to us, and, and let me just let me just pose this question: As you read the words of Jesus, where did your mind go? Did it lead you to instantaneous conviction? Or did your mind wander and maybe even rationalize that, ah, he doesn't mean that for me? I think the latter probably explains us more than the conviction, right? And, and may that just continue to emphasize that we have so devalued the gospel of American Christianity that when we read those verses, they mean nothing to us. Now hear me clearly. The gospel has incredible value. 
In fact, you know, if you go back to what we were talking about, is stumbling on all that gold on that property. You know, you know it's worth more than $300,000 because you saw what's in there. You know how much more gold is in there, and there's probably even more than that. You know it has incredible value, and you would do whatever it took to be able to purchase that. Well, guess what? Jesus told a similar story that we're pretty familiar with in Matthew 13, verse 44. He said this, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's buried in a field that a man found, and then he covered it back up. Now listen to what the rest of this verse says. Then in what? In joy. He goes and sells everything that he has so that he can go buy that field. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That is the value of the gospel. That is the value of the kingdom of heaven. That when we really understand it, because we understand the wrath of God, we understand our standing before this holy God who can't even look upon us because of our sin. We understand that we are hopeless. We understand that we are helpless. The value of the gospel far exceeds anything that we could possibly own, even on earth. And yet the enemy deceives us, making us think that all these other things, that relationships, that status, that jobs, or whatever it might be, you know, that all those things are of greater value than the gospel. And when it comes to getting those up, you know what? So for us, the gospel has come, salvation is free. the question for us. Do we really understand Do you comprehend personally the value that the gospel has in your life? Are you willing to sacrifice all for the sake of the gospel? I would expect that most of us are struggling with that question. We want to say yes, but the reality is that perhaps if we were to put our faith in the wrong gospel, this Americanized gospel that at its best is part of the gospel, but at its worst, worst, is a totally false gospel. One that does not transform lives. One that allows us to sit in the pews and do nothing. As we said last week, one that allows us to come to church on Sunday and live like hell the rest of the week. This gospel, in its entirety, as we understand it, we ask God to reveal truth to us. This gospel transforms, and this gospel changes lives. This gospel is valuable, and I'll tell you what, God has so convicted me over the last few weeks on this. That in my incomprehension of the value of the gospel, I have participated in selling everything. everything I own, even if it, it was pennies on the dollar, because I know that my life would be transformed. And not only would my life be transformed if I got my hands on that gold, I would be able to help change the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people with the value of that. Do you understand that the gospel is far greater than that? And, and consider what would happen when your family, if I came home to Carrie and the kids and I started selling everything, consider what they would say to me. She'd probably have me locked up. She'd be calling the elders to lay on hands. And I don't mean laying on hands, praying. I mean laying on some hands, saying, lock the books. 
he has lost his marbles. If I know that the value that's in that property and I'd be willing to endure what my wife says, what my parents say, what everybody else says, man, you are a crazy idiot. If I'd be able to will, willing to endure all that because I know the value, how much more then so if we understand the value of the gospel would we be willing to endure? People say, you're crazy, you're nuts. Well, you know what? I am, but guess what? I know that there's such incredible value in this that I'm willing to endure all of that. I'm going to ask that we have somebody just come and play as we are in the back and we'll close. We're going to have a time of reflection here as we wind up our service. And I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal to you reveal to your soul which gospel you have received. Is it an incomplete gospel? Is it an entirely false gospel? Ask Him to reveal to you which gospel it is that you've put your faith in. Jesus Christ is the gospel that transforms lives. It's a gospel that when you yield to it, leaves fruit behind. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life that proves that you have understood the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. I did when I was a kid, just pray some fire insurance prayer because I didn't want to burn in hell. Maybe you're not sure if you've really accepted that gospel because there really has not been very genuine life transformation. Well, today is the day where you can make that right, where you can just drop to your knees, whether you come to the altar right now or you do it there in the pew, and you just drop to your knees and you confess to God that, God, I... I understand now my standing before you and that you can't even look upon me without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Yield your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender it all because really you're dead in the first place. So don't leave today without making sure that you genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ. One that transforms your life. We need to remember the words of Jesus in John 6, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son, and listen to that word, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. If you're not sure, I'm going to beg you that you make that decision right now, that you totally yield to Jesus Christ. And you give your life to Him. But I'd expect that there's many here today that are, are confident that they have that relationship. But when you're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal fruit in your life, 
There hadn't been a whole lot. Maybe that's because you struggle with understanding certain things in the Word of God. But I'll tell you what. If we understood the wrath of God, if we understood the value of the gospel, none of us could sit in our pews Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and do nothing the rest of the week. This gospel not only transforms lives, it calls us to be a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that you will be my disciples. You be my witnesses and that you will go forth to make disciples of all nations. God has called us as a local body of believers to abandon everything, to abandon relationships, to abandon our past, to abandon our status, to abandon the traditions of old for the sake of the kingdom of God going forward. In a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. Here's my call with this the same call that Jesus gave us. Are you willing to abandon whatever it is that you put on your life those who are going to hell and will experience the wrath of God for all of eternity. Are you willing to abandon your feelings? Are you willing to abandon what you think you don't know to be his disciple and allow him to use you as an instrument that's yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of the power of the gospel to save, the power of the gospel to transform, and the power of the gospel to make disciples globally of all nations. If we sing, and we sing this song, the words of God are calling us to repentance, and they're calling us to life transformation, but they're also calling us to do something about it. If we as a church, if we'll get this, if we would be willing to have one, just one conversation a week with the intent of trying to have a spiritual conversation, I guarantee this, people would come to Jesus. Here's my challenge, and I'll end with this. Would you be willing to initiate a conversation with one person this week? It would go something simply like this. You ask them a simple question with no strings attached, something along the lines of what is the most significant thing that's happened in your life this week? And then you listen. And you pray while they're speaking. You listen carefully, but you pray that God would reveal another question for you to ask in response to whatever their answer is. And then you would ask another question. And you would do that a third time, ask three different questions. And you see where the Spirit of God leads you in that person's life. He may give you the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He may not. He may allow you to partner in that person's life and to care for them and to come alongside of them so that maybe you later on or somebody else later on can share the good news of the value of the gospel. But to remain silent is not what those 
your understanding of the value of the gospel is this. If you're willing to be that kind of Christian, we sing this song. I'm just going to ask that you come forward, kneel at the altar, and give your life and commitment to God and say, God, I totally abandon you, and I am willing to share this value that I have discovered with everybody so their lives can be transformed. Let's sing this song. Would you bow your head with me?
the last few sermons have been rather heavy, but the reality is this, that if we don't understand the gospel in its entirety and we don't understand the power and the value of the gospel, then nothing else really makes a difference. We can